0: You're listening to the Crossroads Grace Podcast, a podcast of Crossroads Grace Community Church. To learn more about our gathering times and ways you can get involved, check out our website at crossroadsgrace.org. Hey, what's up, Crossroads? Good to see everybody. Hey, listen, my name is Brian. I'm the lead pastor here. So thrilled that you're with us here today. Whether you're joining us online at Crossroads Online, if you're here, in person, right here, uh, so grateful to have you guys here. And listen, if, uh, if you are tuning in for the first time, you're tuning up for the first time, just want to tell you, welcome. And, and we're here for you. Uh, you might be joining us from your car. You might be joining us from the back of a horse. Like, I don't know how you're joining us, but we're welcome. We're glad that you're with us here today. Our mission here at Crossroads is to lead people Discover Jesus, follow Him fully. Anything that we could do to be able to help you do that, that's why we're here. And uh, and grateful that you would be with us here. Now, if you're joining us here in the, the Manteca campus, we're grateful for you to be here and helping us out with all the things that we're trying to do with masks and hand sanitizers and all that stuff. It just helps us to be able to continue to do what we do in a really good way. So, if you can help us by following those rules, it just helps us uh, so much and helps those that might be a little bit more concerned than others to be able to enjoy the experience that much more. So, but guys, we are on week two of our series that is called The Separation of Church and Hate. Uh, it's a series really that's aimed at, uh, really that, that's so important because it's election time. Like if you didn't know, like election time is happening, things are going about, you're seeing more commercials now, uh, they're growing in numbers, debates are happening, and we are living in what I would call a crockpot of tension right now. Every day it just seems like it's going a little bit longer and it's hotter and hotter and hotter. Uh, but as I said from the very beginning, for the ve- very beginning of this series, is that this isn't a series about changing our politics It's changing how we treat people. It's changing how we treat one another. Its aim is this one idea. This this really is one idea that we're circling around that we can disagree politically but still love unconditionally. We can do that. Because the way that we treat each other will affect more than the results of the election. If we can love even when we disagree with each other, we have a chance to change the world. We have an absolute chance to change the world. And, And I... And I remember this. I remember growing up uh, when I had two younger brothers, Brad and Brandon. Uh, and needless to say, there were times that we, we didn't always get along. I, I know. Like we would fight and we would scrap and we would make holes in the sheetrock because we were playing basketball in the basement. And different story for another sermon. It's a good one. I'll, I'll share that with you sometime. But, but like any good parent, my mom would, would correct us. And, and she would say that there are times that you might even say that there are times that she got mad at us. She might raise her voice. She might throw some stuff. Um, We totally deserved it because we were just a bunch of punks, but but that's just what would happen in the Hunt household between Brad and Brandon. And and the yelling and the fussing and all that stuff didn't really affect us all that much until my mom used one word, and that one word was disappointed. Whoo! When Mama Hunt said that she was disappointed in me, man, that cut deep. Because when she said that, I realized that, that I had made a big mistake and I needed to apologize. It, it also meant that it was going to be a rough couple of days happening, coming up. Our relationship was going to be a little strained for a while. But on top of that, not only did I feel like I hurt my mom, but I also assigned myself a new title. And that title was Disappointment. I, I let down someone that I loved and, now I, and I disappointed them. Because when we are disappointed in someone, we, we, feel, we feel like they let us down, then they made a huge mistake, and then that they fractured the relationship that we're in the middle of. And I think that's actually what's happening in our nation right now. Honestly, I really believe that. We've taken disagreements that are simply differences of opinion and turned them into personal disappointments with each other. We, we've become deeply, deeply, deeply offended. And when we are offended, we have chosen then to sacrifice the relationship with someone at the altar of our opinions and our feelings. We now see that the person is a disappointment for what they believe. But my friend Adam Weber actually said something recently in his brand new book. It's called Love Has a Name, and it totally rocked my world. And Adam said this in the book. He said... Um, that just because we're different doesn't mean that we are disappointments. Now, I think that's really important. This is what we're talking about when we say that we can disagree politically, but yet still love unconditionally. We don't have to think of each other as disappointments when we disagree. Rather, what we could do is we can love each other in spite of our disagreements. Again, I'll try to remind us of what Jesus says as much as I can. Jesus 15:2 or John 15:2 says, "My command is this, love each other as I have loved you." So we must aim our attention to love and not to disappointment when we find out that we disagree. And last week, we started this whole thing by looking at how we need to be civil with each other during this time. And and to do that, we looked at the book of James, James chapter 1, to be very specific, and there we actually saw that to be civil with one another, what we need to be is we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And if we could choose those things, we will not only understand each other a little bit better, but we also can learn to be civil. And the one line that we kind of said that kind of summed this whole thing up was actually, um, it says, Being civil is choosing to not be evil towards one another. Right, right? Being civil is choosing not to be evil towards one another. But, but, but this week, we actually get to turn our attention to another area of our interaction with each other that is equally, if not even a little bit more crucial than just being civil with each other. And, and to do that, I'll start off by having us just all kind of think about something just for a moment. And have you ever thought about, and do this at home, wherever you're at right now, but have you ever thought about why you like hanging out with the people that you hang out with? I mean, I was thinking, why do I make connections with some people and I don't make connections with other people? Maybe you've asked that same question of yourself in your own time. Because what is it that draws us to some people and not to other people? And and sure, you you might think, well, it's because we have shared hobbies, and we like sports teams, and we got different seasons of life, that's why we connect, and all those are true. But as I thought about it a little bit more, I actually think that it comes down to two words. We hang out with them because of respect and dignity. I enjoy hanging out with people that respect me, but then also that give me dignity. The people we're drawn to the most are the ones that, that hold us in the highest regard and show us equal respect. Now, now, respect is kind of a word that we've talked about a lot in church world, but I think dignity is actually something that gets left out sometimes. You see, dignity is the worth and the value that is found inside each and every one of us that was given to us by God. Let me just kind of sum up really, really simply, that dignity is the worth given to us by God. That's, that's what dignity is. It's given to us and therefore can't be taken away by anyone or anything. And the reason that's true is because of what we read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. There we read, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God created us, how? In his own image. No one else's image except for him. And in this one line is where all the dignity that all of us deserve comes from, as image bearers of God. And when someone sees dignity in you and sees this image of God in you you like the f- that they will honor you and they will create a bond with that you'll create a bond with that person because you want to be drawn to somebody that honors you and creates dignity in you that's a hard bond to break and when you find someone that reminds you of your dignity your value and your worth you are more apt to trust them to listen to them and want to be around them and yes I just used the word apt you're welcome Right, there you go, okay? A little fun fact for today. But, but it's not hard to see that our world is not really doing that. Our world is not being dig- is finding, isn't, isn't dignified. It's actually undignified. And again, this isn't about one political party over the other, but about the world as a whole. I mean, really, just, just think about it for a minute. Not only have we lost civility with each other, but we've lost the sight of dignity in others as well. We're so quick to judge And to attack people while completely ignoring the dignity of the person that we are attacking. And gang, here's the the scary part. Some of those judgments come from prejudices that we didn't even realize were there. So so prejudice is is kind of simply put, if we we put prejudice up there, what prejudice really is, is when we pre-judge. Right? That's really what prejudice means. It's when we pre-judge someone. And I, I think that all of us can agree that we don't like to be pre-judged on anything. I mean, people at home, I hope you can agree with that. Um, I know I don't. I remember a time uh, back, I can't remember exactly the date, but I, I actually was in a, 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 ta- a, 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 uh, a Christian music talent show. Right, I was on a TV show for a Christian. It was it was by the Inspiration Network down in down in North Carolina, and it was called Cats. Um, I, ironic, I know. Uh, it was Christian Artist Talent Search. Meow. Right, you know, no, no joke. Christian Artist Talent Search. I was in that. And I went down to do a, a try audition and kind of all that good stuff. And, and I got chosen for the show. I went down there. And when I went down there, man, it was just kind of, you know, they, were, they welcomed me. They had somebody that walked me around They showed me around the studio and all kinds of stuff. We went to makeup and I had makeup and like all kinds of crazy things. And they showed us how it was supposed to work. Uh, and I remember vividly that um, I was kind of, I think it was third in line. There was one group uh, that was one it was pretty good, but then there was this other group that was called, I think it was Jubilee was their name. And I swear to you, like, as I'm sitting there kind of in the stands waiting to go up, Jubilee comes in, and, and there was like there was like a trumpet and a trombone and a bass guitar and electric guitar. There was like 12 singers. Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, they just kept coming on stage. I, I, I think they should have been tested for performance-enhancing drugs. I mean, they just kept coming on, you know, and they were amazing, straight up amazing. They were just crazy. They were really, really good. And I mean full orchid, like just crazy. And they get done and it was like this like moment, they're like, BAM! You know, just like one of those moments, you know. And it finished. And they had like a like a, the the, uh, the the American Idol panel where they had like their, their Christian version of a Simon Cowell and all that kind of down the road. And they would they would go down the row and they would give their their votes and they were talking about this Jubilee band. And right down for every person they were like that was amazing, that was amazing, and they get to the last one, kind of the one that held the most weight, and they said, I've got to tell you, that was the most amazing act I've ever seen in my entire life, he's like a producer and stuff like that, and he's like, I couldn't believe it, he says, I just have to tell you that there is literally no one that can top that act, there's no way, and they said, up next is (laughs) Brian Hunt. Right, So before I even got on there, I was being judged against Jubilee. And they ended up winning, but it really doesn't matter because nothing good happened to them for another seven years anyway. So whatever, you know. So <clears throat> that was a Christian joke. So you just had to kind of know that one. Right? But that's what happened. I was prejudged before I even sang. And I sang pretty good. I'll tell you, right? I sang pretty good. But here's the problem with prejudging. It's a preconceived opinion that, that's not based on reason or actual experience. Normally. In other words, we believe it just because. But but aren't we quick to to wave that off as not something that we do? I've talked to so many people that just say that. They're like, oh, prejudice, that's for other people. Not for me. I'm fine. Maybe let's just stop and consider a couple of scenarios for just a second, okay? So so do this with me. Let's pretend... Like we have just gone to a car dealership or a car lot or somewhere, and we just got a new-to-me car. You know what I'm talking about? Like a new-to-me car. And so we took Financial Peace University, so that means we saved for it, we bought for it, we bought it in cash. You know what I mean? Which, quick side note, you do know that when you get a car at Christmas with a big red bow on the top of it in your, like, your driveway, unless it's paid for in cash, it's just a big red bow on top of a bunch of debt, right? You, you, know, you know that, right? Like, we're not, let's not glamorize it as much. Uh, anyway, okay. Um, so anyway, we, we get in our new-to-us car, we, we, we've saved for it, we've done it, it is our car, we've got our car, right? So, so we, we decide, we're gonna, we, we start to drive off the lot, you know, and we feel super good about ourselves. New-to-us car, zero payments, boom, you know doesn't matter what it is. We're driving. So we're driving along, and we get to a stoplight. We get to that stoplight, and we're kind of messing with all the buttons and making sure everything works because it's our new-to-us car, right? And after that stoplight, we turn to the right, as we do, and we see right next to us a 16-year-old in a new Porsche 718. I mean brand new. I mean so brand new that even though your windows are up, you can smell the new through your windows. You know what I'm talking about? Like that kind of new And now now the 16-year-old doesn't look over, doesn't say anything, doesn't rev the engine, doesn't blare their music, you know, (laughs) nothing like that, you know, nothing of that. They simply drive off at a proper amount of speed when the light turns green, and they're off. Now, what happens inside you and me at that moment? Doesn't a part of you just say, are you kidding me? Must be nice to live off of mommy's deep pockets, right? Right? I bet you never worked a day in your short, privileged life, you punk, right? That's probably what we think, you know? We instantly have prejudged this 16-year-old. That he didn't earn this, that he would have a right to it. He's just out of, out of mommy's kindness and wealth, that's why it happened to you. That, that, that's what we think. Well, let's just say, let's think about another one. Well, what if after this whole Porsche interaction... We keep driving, but, but we decide to get on the highway to test out our new-to-us ride and get that Porsche smell out of our nose. You know, let's just get on the road. So, so we head out to the exit to get on the 99, and then at the light, before we get onto the highway, we see a homeless person at the intersection. And, and they're clearly, they're dirty. They, they have an AMPM cup with one of those blue long straws coming out the top. The, the, in their hands is a handwritten sign on cardboard that reads, Homeless will work for food. God bless. They don't say anything, just hold the sign. That's all they do. What happens inside of us then. Isn't there a big part of us that, that starts to say, well, why can't they just get a job and work hard like me? If they would just do something, they would get out of this. We instantly have a prejudice against that homeless person, that they are lazy and that they're in this situation because of poor choices without ever even knowing them. That's just two examples in one car ride. That's two examples in one car ride. Imagine if we play that out in other areas of our life. How about in this political season? Don't we paint with the broadest strokes possible that all Republicans are this way and all Democrats are another way? Don't, don't we do that all the time? I mean, all of those and a million other little prejudices—they do—they do more than just cloud our judgment. They, uh, they're dignity robbers. They sneak up on us when we least expect it. However, the real question for us all is is what do we do when we do identify those unseen prejudices in our life? What do we do when we catch ourselves acting in an undignified manner? Because listen, hand of the air, I'm I'm not proud to say that I am that guy that has looked over at the 16-year-old and thought those things. Your pastor has also been the guy that's judged the homeless person on the side of the road with the very same thoughts that I just mentioned. I've done it. We all have. So what are we supposed to do with those? Well, this is where I want us to dive into the Bible today. So if you have your Bibles with you, your Crossroads Grace apps, the chat hosts are going to put a link in there for you right now. I'd love you to find two spots. I want you to find Acts chapter 10 and Galatians chapter 2. Acts chapter 10, Galatians chapter 2. Again, your online hosts are going to put that right in the Bible, right in the, uh, the link for you right there. Acts 10, Galatians 2 is where we're going to be at Today, So if you want to take some time to be able to do that, that would be great. But in order for us to be there, let me kind of t- set the scene for you where we've been and kind of let you understand what's already happened. See, Jesus has been crucified. He's raised from the dead. He's ascended back into heaven. And in his wake, he left a mission to those that followed him to go into all the world and to tell the people about him. That, that's their mission. And as he leaves, he promises them that the Holy Spirit, third member of the Trinity of God, is going to come It's going to live amongst them, be amongst them, guide them, direct them, and give them power, Jesus says. It's exactly what happens. Holy Spirit descends on the disciples in Jerusalem. And in that moment, known as the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit spreads and all of a sudden things start happening. And from that moment on, the church is birthed and the disciples start telling the world about Jesus. However, up until this point, the message of Jesus was being shared with a very specific, really one group of people, and that group of people was the Jews. They were the people of God. You read about it all throughout the Old Testament. And they were the ones that the disciples were focusing their attention on, the Jewish people, the people of God. Now, those that were not Jewish were known by another name. They were known as Gentiles. They were considered outside of the people of God because they were not Jewish. They were called Gentiles. Now, newsflash for all of us. Most everyone listening to this or watching this right now, y'all are a Gentile. Okay, that, that's, that's us, okay? But on top of that, there were rules that the Jewish people had to follow in the Old Testament. Not only about who you hung out with, but also about uh, things that you could and could not do, specifically about what you couldn't eat. That they didn't eat certain foods that they considered unclean things. So it would be like pork and animals that were dirty and and things like that. Which is why this story that we're going to read is really so shocking for us all and really groundbreaking for us today. So Acts chapter 10, I want you to start in verse 1 and let's read that here today. It says, at Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. Italian Regiment had to. Um, He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter, He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that happened and sent them to Joppa. Now, man, okay, this is really cool. Okay, this is really cool. Now, remember, the Jews didn't connect with the Gentiles. They didn't do that. But what we just read here is that for the first time in Scripture, since Jesus' ascension to heaven... This was the first moment of a Gentile moment. A moment where God speaks to a non-Jewish person about, the, about their faithfulness to the Lord. And, and I love the small details that are in the scripture. I mean, it, it, when you get into the scripture, you get to see where it actually says that he, he said that he distinctly saw. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the, the centurion Cornelius distinctly saw. Now, how do we know that he distinctly saw that? Well, because the guy that wrote the book of Acts, his name was Luke, he actually interviewed Cornelius. That's right, sat down, said, hey, tell me about it. He says, yeah, you know, that angel really didn't come. No, no, he's like, listen, listen, he distinctly came. God came to me, and, and he said, he says, I see you, Cornelius. I'm proud of you, Cornelius. What would it be to have God say that to you, right? I'm proud of you. I see you, right? He's, and, and he says, here's the other thing. I want you to obey me, and I want you to go to Peter's house. Now, listen, by now, Peter was a household name especially to somebody that was following God. I mean, it was Peter. But to go to Peter's house was outside of the norm of the Jewish-Gentile relational norm that they had. Jews did their thing, Gentiles did their thing, and never to, did the two intermingle. It's like a 49ers fan and a Raiders fan. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you do you, boo. Like, that's just what you do. Like, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. But it seems like maybe God was up to something here. But then at the very same time, Something else was going on. Uh, it, what was interesting is while Cornelius was getting angels, Peter was getting interrupted in his REM sleep, and his, he was having a dream. God gave Peter a dream. And, and in this dream, he, God unrolls a sheet from heaven. It's unrolled. Now, I imagine that to be a fitted sheet because those are super hard to fold up, and I just think that would be cooler to see that unroll, but that's just me. And, and in this sheet was something very, very interesting that was being rolled out. And it was all the foods that up until this point, remember what we talked about, those that were off limits. It's kind of like when we get to heaven and then all of a sudden God is going to say like carbs, candy, chocolate, Twinkies, you name it, it's all good, he's going to tell us. He's like, eat, enjoy, don't get fat anymore. Like that's what's going to happen. That's basically what happened for Peter. When all the stuff was unrolled in front of him, but instead of artificial sweeteners and complex carbohydrates, It was meat. Like all the animals, all the meats you can ever imagine, but that all of them were off limits for the Jews. But, but here's what God says to him in this dream. Look at Acts 10, verse, starting with th- verse 13. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back up into heaven. So so Peter thinks that God's trying to trick him and test him. He's like, no, 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 it's all good. I'm not going to touch that. Nice try, God. Got you. But no, no, God says, hey, hang out. No, no, everything's good. Everything's good. And, And no doubt when Peter woke up from this dream, he totally had the meat sweats. Like he just had to. You know what I mean? Like all his dreams, right? But do you realize what happened here? God says the food handcuffs are off, baby. All the food. You're good to go. People, listen to me. This is the reason We can eat bacon. You know what I mean? Like, it's a bacon. It's a bacon, right? You know, bacon, baby. But listen, this is more than just an increase in the menu options for Peter. This is about an increase in the ministry opportunities for the gospel. It was telling Peter that now he is to make sure that the Gentiles have the gospel and that they have the same dignity as anyone else. Which is why when Peter woke up, he walks downstairs, sure enough, three men from Cornelius' house knock on the door and say, hey, Pete, want to come over? He's like, aye. Right. So Peter gets up, he goes. Next day, Peter, Peter does. He, 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 Peter the Jew crosses over into Gentile land and he went to Cornelius' house. Which is then what we get to read what happens. Look at verse 25. It says this. It says, as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. Oh my goodness, there's so much to unpack here, but they won't let me preach four hours, so we've got to kind of keep going, okay? But so many cool things. But listen, first thing, notice what Peter does and what he says as he comes into Cornelius' home, and Cornelius bowed down in front of him. He bows down. He says, dude, dude, stand up, stand up. He's like, I'm only a man. He says, man, Peter says, man, we are equal. We both have dignity. Get up, let's hug this thing out. You know, that's what he says. But, but then Peter says something to the whole group you see he says something to the whole group he says God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean anyone he says it to the whole group so he says it privately to Cornelius and then he says it publicly to this group of people that were in the house he's not holding anything back nothing can hold back the love of God he says we all have dignity and we all deserve the love of God And then after he starts to hear about Cornelius' heart and all the things that he's doing and how God has been moving in him, how the Holy Spirit is guiding his life just like he was guiding Peter's life, we, we get to read these powerful words. After all that happens, look at verse 34, so powerful. It says, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Oh, that's powerful. Not only for that time, but for us today. God shows Peter how God accepts everyone. There is dignity in everyone. Man, if we could see that, if we could look across the aisle, the Facebook feed, the look, the, the, if we could look beyond the shouts and see the dignity in each other, what would the world look like? How quickly could we separate the hate from our life? This is a crazy scene. Peter's in the middle of this whole thing. And guys, it only got cooler because right after you keep reading, Peter got to baptize Cornelius and his whole house right there. And they apparently really liked Peter, and they're like, dude, you got to stay for a couple of days. So Peter hung out in in Cornelius' house. I'm pretty sure they ate bacon double cheeseburgers. I'm just going to say that up front. I have a feeling that happened. Can't confirm it. Just makes sense. But Peter was able to see the dignity in all people when God allowed him to see as he sees. But then here's when something interesting happened. It's when Peter returned home. It's when he left that that bubble of jubilee that he found himself with the Gentile friends and he returns back to his Jewish buddies. And by the time he got back, the word had started to spread. Now, now check this out. Um, Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 1. It says, The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God, So when Peter went down to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of an uncircumcised man and ate them? The ones that should have had his back, the apostles and the believers, what did these guys decide to do? They decided to criticize. Aren't religious people great? Even though Peter had a sign from God, had a miraculous moment with, with Cornelius' family, he still faced criticism. And let me be straight up honest with you. It will be hard to stand up for what is right and see the dignity in others in our world. It will be hard to do that. I've faced that firsthand these past few months. It's been really, really, really hard. Because I have chosen to see the dignity in all people. Our African American brothers and sisters that are hurting. Our law enforcement that are protecting and serving our country. Those that are concerned about COVID, those that are not concerned as, concerned about COVID. Those that say that I don't do enough as a leader, those that say that I do too much as a leader. Those that say that we need to open the church ASAP, those that think the church is MIA. Those that think, those that are Democrats, those that are Republicans. I have chosen to see dignity in all people and that is hard. It comes with criticism. It comes with random text messages. It comes with people leaving the church. It comes with meetings and phone calls. But I will tell you this. Despite all the heartache, the restless nights, the long calls, the hard meetings, the terrible text messages, I choose to continue to see dignity in people because it's the right thing to do in the eyes of God. It's the right thing to do. It's what I've been called to do as a pastor, but it's what all of us have been called to do as followers of Jesus. Every single one of them. And for a moment, Peter holds his ground. He actually helps the other disciples to see what God had showed him. He's like, gets them on the right path. But just like so many of us, Peter slipped. He slipped. And and we see how this actually happens when we pick up in Galatians, that other spot I was telling you, Galatians chapter 2. Now, by the time we get there, the gospel had spread to a place called Antioch. Now, Antioch is a multicultural, multi-ethnic city, about 300 miles north of Jerusalem where we were at right now. But as we come into this city, we see that Paul, who wrote Galatians, he is hot to trot, man. He is super mad at Peter because Peter has taken some steps back in his faith. And I want you to read about it. Galatians chapter 2, look at verse 11. It says, When Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When Peter felt the pressure, he shrunk back. When the high of that original moment in that Cornelius' house had faded, he shrunk back when his buddies came around. It's like you're back in high school, and he, he left the kids that he was hanging out with when he saw the cool kids come by. He caved under the pressure. Totally caved. Have you ever caught yourself doing that? You ever caught yourself giving in to the pressure the world puts on you and losing sight of the dignity of others that are around you? Ever found yourself laughing at an off-color joke at a person or because of in front of another person at their expense? Ever got consumed with an online argument that is completely fruitless? Ever found yourself saying things that you would never in a million years say to somebody to their face, but you'll say it online? Ever not spoke up to defend someone because you're intimidated? We all have done it. But we just have to know that in that moment, we have lost sight of the dignity of that other person. Just like Peter, we cave to the pressure. Peter and whoever, was at, whoever else was at the cool table had deviated from what Jesus had came to tell them, what God himself had told him. They were taking away the dignity of the Gentiles by making them do more than what God said that they had to do in order to be saved. But here's the thing. Paul, the guy that wrote the book, he knows it's not right, which is why I love these little details in here. It says that he opposed Peter to his face. See, sometimes the most loving thing to do is to call a fellow believer in Jesus out on their junk when they're doing things the wrong way, when they're thinking and acting unlike Jesus, to say, hey, we need to redirect. we got to get back on the right. And the reason he did that, the reason Paul did that, was because Paul knew that Peter knew that he was wrong. And it's why Paul would later say in Galatians 2, 26 through 28, these words. Listen carefully to these words. He says, so in Christ Jesus... You are all children of God through faith, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Right here, that is so important for us to hear. Because what Paul just did here is he addressed and he leveled the playing field of nearly every undignified thing happening in their world and in ours. Check this out. Just just check out what he does. The first thing that he says is he says that we are that we there is no Jew or Gentile he says. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. Do you know what he addressed right there? Racism. He says, there is no Jew, there is no Gentile, we are all equal. So he addresses racism. What does he say next? He says, there is no slave nor free. What does he tackle there? Classism. He says, there is no one that's better than you or lower than you. We are all equal. There is racism. He tackles classism. And what else does he tackle? He says, what about male and female? He attacks sexism. He says, it's not about a man, it's not about a woman, it's about Jesus. Why? Because we are all one in Christ. One in Christ. That's what we are. We are dignified because we are Christ. And and when Paul says this one little word, three word, nor, what he's saying is no. He's saying that dignity is found when we finally say no more. When we say no more racism, when we say no more classism, when we say no more sexism, when we say no more as believers in Jesus, when we are able to call out our prejudices, lay them at the foot of Jesus, then we can see the dignity in everyone regardless of how they vote. We have separated the church from hate by saying no more. And the way that we do that is by being intentional to build bridges with other people, even the ones we don't agree with. If as Christians, if as Christians, we could take the initiative to see dignity in all people and value people, I'm telling you, the world will change. The world will need this more than ever as this election gets closer and closer. We can disagree politically, but we must continue to love unconditionally. And we must do this. We must do this. If we believe what Paul says in Galatians uh, 2.20 is actually true. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This is a profound thing to consider. That if we play this out to its fullest end. To the fullest, this is what this means. It says that I have been crucified with Christ. It means that my old life was crucified with Jesus. That it was buried with him, all the dirt on the top, six feet down, dead, dead, dead was my old life. That that whole thing is gone, and then because of that, because of Jesus, he now lives in me, so I have a new life. A new life that was resurrected from the dead with Jesus. I have a brand new life. And when we have this new life that is found in him, we can't help but see the dignity in everybody else. We can't help but see the dignity in other people. If we see each other as Jesus sees the world, then we would never, ever treat anybody else, anything else with other than the respect and dignity that they deserve because they are a child of God too. Even the ones we disagree with. we might start to see the new eyes. Eyes that see that Christ lives in me. You see, the bottom line is, is really this. It's really this idea. That when Christ is in me, when Christ is in me, I can seize others' dignity. When Christ is in me, I can see others' dignity. And listen, this does not happen in the safe vacuum of like-minded people. just doesn't. This does not happen in that safe vacuum of like-minded people. No, no, no. Come on, that's easy. It's easy to find dignity in those that you like, love, and look like. That's super easy. The real test of Jesus in me is in those thick moments when you don't see eye to eye with people when you don't share a cultural connection, when you don't vote the same, that is when the true test of dignity is really, really felt. For for, for all of us, the key to fully embracing this idea of dignity is actually found in what Peter said to the religious leaders back in Jerusalem. When he came back from Cornelius' house, remember those guys that criticized him? Remember that? when he was on fire in that moment, when, when, when he had the Holy Spirit in him and he was just baptizing Gentiles and he had this new mission and the sheet was unrolling and everything was coming in, it was then that, that, that we need to understand because then we read what Peter said to, those, Jew, to those, those religious people. He said this in verse 17. He says, So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ... Who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Let me ask us all a hard question. You at home too. Are you ready? Are we getting in the way of God by how we're treating one another right now? If what Paul just said here is true, and we truly believe what God says is right, then God has given the same gift of Jesus Christ to red, blue, green, orange, brown, pink, purple, you name it. He's given the same gift to a Democrat and a Republican. He's given the same gift to those we like and those we dislike. He has given us all the dignity because he gave us the image of God himself. And the proof that that is true is found on the cross that is stained by the blood of his son. That he would give up his life for you and for me. My friends, I don't know that there's anyone watching me today or in this room right now that wouldn't be overwhelmed if someone Gave up their life for you so you could live. Can you just imagine that? Imagine for a moment that someone stood in front of you and took a bullet or took whatever was coming at you, whatever it was, they gave up their life for you. You would be completely indebted to them for the rest of your life, their family, what they would, there would be nothing you wouldn't do. But yet, for some reason, we miss out that Jesus did that for us and we ignore everything that he taught and everything that he tells us to do and we just live our life how we want to live and we look at people the way that we think that we should look and we completely forget that Jesus saw us even though we were undignified in our sin he saw in us something so profound he saw his own image it was like he was looking partially in the mirror and he says I can't imagine being apart from them so I will come I will put myself in, in between them and death I will die in their, in their place for their sins because I see dignity in them, because I see my image in them, and I love them. So communion, I pray that we could do the very same thing, that we could rest in the image of God to know that we are dignified in his presence because of Jesus, but that every other person we interact with should have that same opportunity, that we should comport ourselves with dignity to each other, and we as Christians should be the ones on the front lines. So my friends, I pray for us now as we consider our lives, consider where we're at, consider the dignity that we have and the dignity we should show others that we remember Jesus as we prepare our hearts for communion, as we worship, as we hear about this rescue story that was sent for us. Love each other. Find worth in each other because Jesus found it in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just come before you with with an anticipation of what could be if we as Christians rose, rose up and we actually looked at each other with dignity. It's amazing that we want to hang out with the people that we do because of the things that they think of us and say about us and believe in us, but yet we don't afford that to other people so often. And Jesus, we repent of that. We ask for your forgiveness because we know what you did for us on the cross. We know that you died in our place for our sins, that you laid down your life for us. That you lay down your life for the world. So, God, I help us to remember that, to embrace that, to see each other as you see us, to love well. Be with us now as we as we hear the song, this rescue story song, but also be with us as we prepare our hearts for communion. We give you the glory and the love and the honor. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week on the Crossroads Grace podcast. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. If you are interested in getting involved in our community or want to find out more information, visit us online at crossroadsgrace.org. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Grace podcast.